I just thought he's got the, the gun reaching out and pointing at me. I'm on the floor and he's like making up his mind whether to shoot me or where to shoot me. From the poisoning, I am so sick. They put me on the gurney, I pass out. My heart stopped four times. My worst fear was that I knew I was bleeding and I looked down and it was a gray shark, um, bigger than I was. I had the phone in my hand and I called the uh, sheriff's office. And for all intents and purposes, I gave a dying declaration. This is, I survived. I was sitting in my office, you know, answering the last few emails of the day, kind of noticing the clock and what time it was, um, and, and a little anxious for Kelsey to show up. hoping to actually slip out of the office early so that I could um, maybe get out and go on a little hike or something like that. Um, but I had to wait until Cheryl's niece came in because she didn't have the code to get into the building and so I needed to let her into the door when she came. After she came up, she ran straight to the bathroom, and I thought, geez, she must really have to go, because usually we say hi to each other and everything. And then the man came up the stairs, and um, when I asked him if I could help him, he got out again and asked to see my manager. I slowly backed away with my hands up towards my manager Cheryl's office, and I could hear this loud, angry male voice. I just thought, mm, maybe she needs my help. So I stood up from my desk and started walking towards my office door in the hallway. And I whispered to her that there was a man with a gun at the front desk who was upset about the war in Israel and Lebanon and wanted to speak to my manager. The hole of the gun looked as big as an eye, like a human eye to me at the time. Um, I just I kind of went into emergency management mode, I guess, and just thought, what's the first thing that needs to happen here? And I looked at him, and he was just spouting off about things like Israel, and I'm, I'm an angry man, and I'm a Muslim. And I turned to my right a little bit, and Carol Goldman sits in a cubicle kind of diagonally from my office door. And she was the only person I could see immediately in my eyesight, other than Layla and this man with the gun. And I just turned and I said in Carol's direction, call 911 as loud as I could. I turned around, I saw Cheryl, I saw Layla, and then I saw this guy holding this gun pointed at me. And nobody was saying anything at the moment. And I'm sure it wasn't very long after that that he shot me, but I didn't hear the bullets or anything or feel it because I was just kind of in this stunned disbelief. And the next thing I knew, I looked at my knee and there was these two little red droplets of blood on my knee. That's when it kind of registered in my head like, oh my God, I've been shot. And he turned and he just kept firing in my direction and in Layla's direction. My manager was just pulling me into her office when he shot me. I immediately fell down onto the ground and I kept thinking I wanted to get up and, you know, wait until he was reloading and try to stop him. But I realized I just, I couldn't move. And I wanted to call 911, but I couldn't get to a phone because my leg was just totally dead.
I actually didn't realize that I'd been shot. Uh, and I kind of looked at him and I said, I, I was really puzzled. I was, why are you doing this? And then he raised the gun and pointed it at my face. My friend Randy had called and, and asked me if I wanted to go out on a catamaran. Was, he was kind of setting me up on a on a blind date with uh, with a friend of his, Daniel, and um, he owned the boat. And um, so I said, "Sure." We went out on a 17-foot catamaran. This was very small, so it only seated like four people. There's one sail in the middle. There's no cabins or anything down below. At one point, I saw some um, some dark clouds coming up, kind of far offshore. But then I saw some lightning also, and it just came really, really quick. And so by the time the guys saw it, they said, "It's you know, it's too late. So it's better to stick out the wait it out out here instead of trying to run in and, and go into the into the storm." Unfortunately, 10, 15 minutes later, the boat ended up flipping. As I fell off, I scraped my leg on the pontoon and the fear of shark immediately was in everyone's head. for her, do things that that the uh, caregivers wouldn't do for her, color her hair, give her pedicures, manicures, and everything. But I thought it was very, very nice for her to do such a thing. I thought that she was really a gentle person, you know, by doing this, and, and a real humanitarian by reaching out the way she did to help my, my mother and father. I was teaching uh, criminal justice and law enforcement in Corpus Christi, Texas. She wanted me to, to, to teach her. She wanted to take my courses, uh, and she wanted, she wanted to be a police officer. She became a little fixated, if you will, as far as uh, calling me on my cell phone. She'd start, she started coming over to the house. You know, as soon as I got out of work, she didn't, I didn't, she didn't know what time I was getting out of work, but she'd show up. She asked me how my dinner was, and I said, well, how did you know that I was having dinner? Her tone was like, like an angry wife. So I, I didn't want to anger her. She just, she appeared to have some twisted attraction. About 7 a.m. in the morning, she knocks. On the, on, on the back door to the farmhouse. And uh, she walks in looking like a southern belle. And she was being very, very charming and, and uh, asking for forgiveness, things like that. Oh, about three minutes later, I hear a thump on the door. Sounds like a, you know, the traditional drug raid thump, you know, when you go, you know, conduct a, a raid on a house. So I opened the door and I saw a, uh, a large 
Mexican-American gentleman with a gun in his hand pointed at my, right at my face. floor and he's like making up his mind whether to shoot me or where to shoot me and I was just waiting I couldn't see anything my face was in the rug I couldn't hear anything because my my ears were ringing and that was it I just thought this is it I'm dead After that, I, there was another gunshot, and then after that I heard several more gunshots, one right after the other. I heard a woman screaming that she was bleeding to death, and um, just all kinds of different sounds as he continued around the building. Well, I could hear moaning and crying. Um, I could hear some female voices, and then it kind of hit me that, you know, the last thing I had been thinking before all this happened was I was waiting for Kelsey. And I thought, oh my God, she's going to walk into this situation. I have to get out of here. I have to stop her from coming in the building. I think it was at that point that I felt my side was kind of burning and I was on my stomach and I reached my hand underneath me and pulled it out and it was a little pink. I thought, oh, I must have been grazed. I was in a short skirt and sandals, you know, it was casual Friday. Not, <laughs> I wasn't dressed to be shot <laughs> and get away. Um, and I, I, I got up and I went right to the door. I was right by the door and I just peeked around the corner and I couldn't see him. And I thought, I mean, this might be my only chance. And so I just ran as quickly and as I tiptoed and ran at the same time in these open sandals, trying to keep them on my feet down the carpeted hallway and I thought, oh no, it's hardwood floors in the reception area. How am I going to run in these sandals and not make noise? And I thought, well, this is my chance, you know. I should... So I kind of peeped my head out of my cubicle to try and see, is it safe to reach up and grab the phone and call for help? And since I didn't see anybody or hear anything, I thought, all right, and anybody else that could possibly get out of this alive would get the help that they needed. I went down half a flight of stairs and there was Pam who worked in the office right next to mine. I didn't realize that she was even still in the building. And here she was laying face up on the landing and her eyes were open and she wasn't blinking. It's like I could tell it was Pam, but other than that, it, there was nothing there that was Pam. It was, it was the first dead body I'd ever seen, but it was t 
totally clear to me that she wasn't there anymore. At that point, we just scrambled and we were able to all get up on the hole and we were able to put our knees up to our chests and be able to stay out of the water. And we just got settled there and tried to think what to do. And basically, I know we were all at the idea that it was still daylight, the storm was passing, surely there's going to be boats back out on the water. We heard uh, an engine and uh, Daniel said that uh, it was a Coast Guard cutter and it came so close and we were sure we were whistling really loud. It was completely silent out there so we just whistled really loud and and uh, yelled and screamed and everything and it cut its engines off we're going oh my god you know it's, it's they've heard us they're going to hear us we're going to be saved and we were happy and we we're getting all excited and this is going to be so cool and and we're going to be in the paper and and um, then the engines started up again and the ship went off elsewhere and then that was just like the reality hit us and we were just quiet. And Christy, who was sitting in front of me, she was very quiet. And I could tell also that she was just making peace and, and I just had a sense that she knew she was gonna die. I saw a fellow that was about 5'10", 5'11". He was overweight. He, he looked like he had the jailhouse tats on his neck, on his arms. I asked him if he was sure who he was looking for. When he tried to answer, you know, he made a big mistake by giving me that edge. And, and I took advantage of that edge to slam that door shut. You know, I hit both deadbolts. I screamed at Elizabeth Reynolds loud enough uh, to call 911. I reached back to my hip to look for my sidearm. I didn't have it with me. I didn't have my cell phone either. I didn't have anything. Placed my left foot on the door. I kept my body my torso behind the brick veneer. Uh, I felt, you know, that would stop the bullets if he tried to, you know, because I would have shot right through the door. I figured he was going to do the same thing. I was trying to listen for her car. She should be taken off. She slammed the door to my room, and I figured she did the right thing. To, to keep that door between the criminal and, and, and her. You know, she had the door, she had me, she had another door than the criminal. So I figured she did that strategically and I, I felt that was good. She was smart for doing that. So at that point, uh, I got three in the back and I never Never heard the shots, but I did smell gun smoke, and uh, I don't know why, but I could I could taste metal in my mouth. I ran out that door, ran in into the house through the laundry room, grabbed the uh, cordless phone, 
And when I was there in the kitchen, I got another one. Uh, and I got shot in the abdomen. I never stopped. I kept, I kept running for some unusual reason. Uh, I saw Elizabeth Reynolds in the hallway with her arms crossed and tapping her foot. And I thought, when I saw that, I, I, I thought that she was making a big mistake by not running for her life. Why she would stay there, I didn't understand that. Well, what I saw was what looked like a big hole right where her heart would be. Dark red, kind of a fist-sized, what I thought was a hole. Um, yeah, her eyes were just, it wasn't like they were glazed over, they were just, there was nothing behind her eyes. And they were just staring. She had beautiful, beautiful blue eyes. And blonde hair, and she was dressed, you know, just you know, casual day Friday, really cute little outfit. And here I thought, she's just laying there. She's not. I... I couldn't believe that someone could be there and then not be there so fast. It was just all mixed up. You know, there's this guy who might come out after me with a gun. There's Kelsey outside. There's Pam sitting here. What? All these decisions that I had to make, just like that. Um, and so I just thought, I have to, I can't do anything for Pam. And so I had to just step over her body and keep going down the stairs. They asked me, you know, are there other people injured? And I said, yes, there's other people injured, I know, because I heard them. Okay, did, have you actually seen him at all? He shot me in the leg. Okay. Okay. Because he asked for the matter, and then he got out a gun and started shooting people. And he shot me in the knee. Do you know what kind of a gun it is? Is it a handgun or like a rifle? I think I was I was pretty calm. I was kind of just in this like survival mode and very focused on I just need to tell them what's going on. I was also focused on trying to be quiet. I wanted to be quiet because I didn't want to draw attention to myself. And then he came back around and I saw him aim his gun over the cubicle wall at where I knew that Carol had, was laying. And I just had it in my mind that he was, he was going to shoot her in the head and that he was going to kill her. And then they asked, is that gunshots you hear in the background? And I initially said, no. Do you know where he's at that, now? Are those still no, gunshots in the background, ma'am? Um, no, but I know he's down the hallway. I didn't even realize he was there. I didn't realize he had come back the second time to shoot me. I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. I didn't even feel it. And then he looked at me and pointed the gun at me and shot me again, and that's when he shot me in the shoulder. Um, and then he continued walking down the hall. We had no water to drink, we didn't have, have any food, and and uh, just in our bathing suits, we're all in our bathing suits, so it was getting pretty, pretty bad. 
crack of dawn, I just looked over and when I saw the light, I said, that's the sun coming up. Shore's got to be the other way. I'm out of here. I'm going. Once the sun comes up, we might lose our direction. So we knew we had to go. But I thought, I think I thought I was going to you know, die. So either way, I just wanted to die trying. And um, Christy was the only one that didn't know how to swim that well. So I told told her about the salt water, you know, it keeps you buoyant so you can just float on your back and and if you get tired, we'll wait and just, you know, do your best. And so we all took off and I took off uh, first. I was um, up in front. And it was only probably about an hour into the swim that I looked back and, and I heard... Um, Christy uh, screaming and saying that, uh, yelling for Randy to come and get her. And uh, I thought, you know, first of all, that she was just drowning or tired or something. I was yelling, you know, saying, just float or, or whatever. And then I realized I saw her thrashing about in the water. And then she went straight up, just like in the movie. And, and the jaws moving, she went straight up and straight back down into the water. And I knew she'd been hit by a shark. So I yelled to Randy that it was a shark. And he thought she was drowning. So he was yelling back to her and, you know, calling her name. And she was just, you know, screaming, come and get me now. And um, she went up again and down. And he was swimming while this happened. And he didn't see that it was a shark. He just thought she was drowning. So when I, the last time I saw her go up, and she just went face down into the water. I knew that, you know, I knew she was dead. It was like she was completely pale, completely white. And I knew she'd lost all her blood. I knew if he went back, he was going to get killed also or attacked, you know, whatever. And I was a good distance ahead, and I said, there's no way, unfortunately. There's nothing I can do to help. I just knew it. And I was not, there was, I was, there was no way I was going to go back there. And so I just turned around and kept swimming. After about 15 minutes of, of swimming, 15, 20 minutes, uh, after seeing Christy get uh, hit by the shark, uh, the, I, I got bumped by something. And I looked down, and it was a gray shark, um, bigger than I was. And I just... Um, split second vision of Christy and me saying that's not how I want to go there's no way that I can die like this perpetrator came after me, shot me again. I went down. Uh, when he shot me, he cut me in the arm, and then it entered my body. I spun around. I got back up. He shot again, got me again. I ended up with five rounds just in my torso. Plus, I had, I had one through my left arm, and uh, my right arm was bleeding also, so I had a bullet fragment in my right arm. took her at gunpoint and uh, they went and, and they got into my sedan my crown Victoria and they took off in that I really felt that he was gonna that he was gonna kill her and that it was my fault you know because I, I should have I didn't have my sidearm I should have taken him out so I I wanted to I wanted to survive I wanted to make it I looked down and I saw a lot of uh, lot of blood, but my liver was fine, my heart was fine. Uh, I had a uh, what appeared to be a sucking chest wound. I could tell by the blood coming out of my mouth it was pinkish. I knew I had 
I knew I had time to live. I didn't want to lay down. I, I, I sat down, but I, I kept my torso up. Laying down, you know, giving in to, was giving in to death as far as I was concerned. I wasn't going to do that. I, I kept my poise. I, I kept, uh, it was important to stay as dignified as possible. started asking her about about the crime this and that and the other again she started saying oh she's so glad that I'm fine you know she, that I live I went to her house after work and she said yeah my mother and I you know we just want to say a prayer over you and and uh, we made you a really good spaghetti dinner and everything and I'm like oh, hey, that's very nice that's really nice and and so I just got there and I ate my, you know, I ate the salad and then I ate the spaghetti and I didn't even finish with the spaghetti and she's like, oh my goodness, look at this, seven o'clock already, God, I got a long day tomorrow, it's gonna, I'm going to be very tired. I almost get to my house and lo and behold, man, I am so sick. I mean, I, I am... I'm vomiting. I'm pulling over the road to vomit. And I, I'm starting to, to black out. In the movies, when someone's shot, if they're really badly hurt, they pass out. And I had assumed since I hadn't passed out, I was not really badly hurt. I maybe knew subconsciously I'd been hit, but consciously I was completely oblivious to the fact that he had come back and shot at me a second time. I just thought, the police are out there. If I just go storming out of the building, they might think I'm the shooter. They might shoot me. So I had my hand on my side and one arm in the air just to try to indicate that I wasn't the bad guy. And there were at least three guys in SWAT outfits with long black guns. One of them definitely pointed in my direction. And then this uniformed, regular uniformed guy very tall man and I I just turned to him with my arm up and my arm on my side and he said you have to keep going you're still in the line of fire suddenly down the hallway I hear this guy say I have a hostage and I'm thinking oh my god he's taking Layla hostage now put myself in the frame of mind of a fish or that I belonged in the ocean. It was the weirdest thing, just in nanoseconds. It was like, I belong here. I belong here too, so, you know, get out of my way too. So I just kept swimming backstroke. I went slowly, of course, and smooth, as smooth as I could, but uh, slow. And so I obviously had 20, 15, 20 minutes of wondering if it was still under me. The currents were, were really, really bad, so I, I couldn't stop. Anytime I stopped, it would just take me back or, east or, or north or south instead of west where I wanted to go. I didn't hear any screaming, which was one thing I was 
you know, kind of calmed me down a little bit because I knew if they'd got hit by sharks, then I probably would have heard something because it's just so quiet out there. There was like a feeding frenzy going on. It was just a bunch of fins and just going at it. And the, my, the currents were taking me that way, so I had to start swimming against the current to go, go um, south and get around that and once that happened it's just you know you just kept stroking that's all I gotta say I just kept stroking I was hallucinating um I had a lot of thoughts I sang most of the way tried to keep my spirits up uh I did have a lot of thoughts about my life so then I was thinking was thinking about all these um people that that do die and come back they always say their life flashes before them mine flashed about six hours of swimming. I was disoriented because with the sun up, I, I, you know, you're still kind of losing bearings. And in the currents, I was afraid of where they were going to take me. And I looked up and there was a cloud in the sky and, this, and it went straight uh, east-west, the, the one side of the cloud. So I did backstroke and I followed the cloud in the whole way. So that was... That was something incredible. Finally, when I got almost all the way in, I couldn't break the, the riptide. Uh, right there, I could see the shore, I could see the lifeguard. I, I went almost straight in from the boat. I ended up being in almost a straight line. I didn't have the strength to get through there. I kept trying to, you know, backstroke, front stroke, everything, and I thought I was, um, that was it. He couldn't, the lifeguard did not see me, and it was just, I mean, mentally it was really, really hard because I'd done all that work to get there, and, and I was just so a few feet from shore, and I thought I was going to die. So I'm kind of like on the shoulder, and I'm driving with my hazard lights on. And so I call it in, and I, you know, I, I call Clever uh, County Hospital and tell them, hey, I'm in route up there, and I don't know what's going on. Maybe I've got an infection, you know, with my, with my colon because they had removed 45%. Maybe it's my small intestine. Maybe it's my left kidney. Maybe it's those two bullet fragments I still have in my, in my spine. And then I, I pass out, I wake up, and I'm in, I'm in the critical care unit. They're about to release me from the hospital, and she brought me some onion soup from TGIF. She knew I loved it. I was tired of the hospital food. I ate the whole thing. I started getting so sick. The same way, same, just as sick as I got, you know, when, when, uh, when I went to the hospital, the same thing. Well, I, I had to end up staying there another three or four days. I had become gravely ill from the from the food that Elizabeth Reynolds had been had been feeding me, and after you know every incident, I'd end up I'd end up in in critical care in a hospital. I had faith in those criminal investigators, but nothing jived. There wasn't a a fluid format of investigative techniques. I had been asking her, I said, look, why don't you just take a polygraph? That way you're eliminated as a suspect. We're waiting for one of the investigators to have a, you know, to talk to her about signing the polygraph form to get her a, 
you know, to, to administer a polygraph. And I'm waiting for his phone call, and I had just got a, a fish platter. I ate my all my fish plate. When the investigator never got there or the polygraph examiner, he was going to be brought there by the investigator. I guess something came up. He couldn't make it. About 35 minutes later, you know, luckily I had picked up a, a, a one of my criminal justice students. He was driving my car. Next thing, man, I, things get so bad for me physically, I throw up inside my car, can't even make it to pull the car over. I mean, I, I'm, I'm gravely ill. So bad that he's driving as fast as he can to get to the hospital. He pulls up in there, they got a gurney, you know, that they bring up to the car. They put me on the gurney, I pass out. My heart stopped four times. He's taking Layla hostage now. Because I have no idea where Layla is. I have no idea where anybody is. I didn't even know who all was in the office at the time. He went out and he saw that Dana was on the phone with 911. And he started cursing at her. He's standing right in my doorway and he's holding me hostage and I'm pregnant. Would you like to talk to the police? Does she know him? No, sir. Hold on here. Here he is. He is. Who? Get on the ground. Right there. Who are you and why are you holding her hostage? This is a hostage situation. I want these uh, Jews to get out. Why are you so upset at these people? I'm not upset at the people, I'm upset at this, at your uh, foreign policy. These are Jews, I'm tired of getting pushed around, and our people getting pushed around. What's your name, first of all? Let's, let's talk. My name is Naveed Hawk. How many people are in the, in the office with you? I don't know. I just have one person there. You have one person. Do you have your gun out on that person? Yes, I do. Is that person scared? Yeah. I shot her once. You shot her once? Yeah. But where did you shoot her? I shot her in the arm. In the arm? Okay, she's yeah. going to need an ambulance, don't you think? Yeah, I don't care. I have this gun pointed at her head. I know. He shouted obscenities for a while about wanting to be on CNN and wanting the war in Iraq to stop, but he gave himself up after a few minutes and walked out of the building with his hands on his head. Here, I'll give myself up. You're going to give yourself up? Yes. Well, you can walk out the front with your hands on your head, okay? Okay. And that, all right? They put me on a stretcher and carried me out, and they were very kind in asking all of us to close our eyes when we went down the stairwell where Pam's body was still laying. I, I thought they were telling me to close my eyes so that I wouldn't get dizzy at the weird angles when they took me down the stairs, but it was to try to help us not have to have that memory of her. so badly but there was Kelsey standing over me you know with tears in her eyes saying I love you because she knew that that was the most important thing for me to hear right then
there was a lifeguard stand and he was there and I was yelling and whistling and I was too tired to break the current, the, the riptide. I just remembered to do, if I did side stroke, that I would cut, you know, this way instead of cutting through. If I did side stroke, that I could, you know, break it like that. And I did side stroke and I broke through it. And then he saw me um, and he came running out and yelling at me because he thought I was a lifeguard swimming laps. I just told him instinctively, I said, I've just swam about nine miles. There's a boat out there, one person's dead, and there's a couple of other guys, um, but I don't know if they're dead or alive. to the hospital that day and, and saw Randy and he was in the hospital for I think about two weeks he had hypothermia and, and all that and um, and uh, Daniel the guy that owned the boat I don't know what happened I didn't see him again he also I think like me went to the hospital but then he left and um, never seen him again put me on the gurney, I pass out. My heart stopped four times. My doctor had already talked to, to my family and they were there at the hospital. When he released me, he talked to me very in a very stern way. He said, Al, I'm not gonna release you from this hospital if you go back to that blank, blank, blank woman. Because I know she had everything to do with poisoning you. She had lied to the to the investigator she said that the that the gunman was wearing a mask he was not wearing a mask she said that he jumped out of the car at 60 miles an hour 60 miles an hour he would have been dead the body would have looked like a hamburger meat and then she lied about where she had dropped him off I'd been talking to the executives of the Crime Stoppers program and I told them I needed I needed them to, to raise the, the reward on my shooting and they agreed to do that. And uh, lo and behold, days later, somebody calls in utilizing the name of Lisa. Uh, and I remember Elizabeth Reynolds would call herself Lisa. To this day, we don't know who it was because it was anonymous. Uh, we can only speculate. However, they gave up the shooter. The shooter's name was Francisco Perez. He was at some nightclub and he was bragging that he had, that he had shot me. And uh, that's when they brought him in for questioning and he broke in minutes, like five minutes, he broke. He rolled over on her, and he started telling him, look, yes, I did this, but I was paid by Elizabeth Reynolds to do this. And she paid him with a check, and she paid him with drugs. And also, we later learned in court that she paid him with sex. It was difficult for me to 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 live my life without trying to find out who the gunman was, why they were trying to kill me, why they were trying to shoot me. 
the the district attorney stated during court that her that her uh, motive was the fact that she had an unhealthy love for me. She felt that if she couldn't have me, nobody was going to have me. Had I died, you know, she would have gotten she would have gotten away free. And I still to this day, I won't go in dark water, but surviving that also gives you just a whole new outlook on life. Dying wasn't an option for me at, during that time, so I just had to keep good thoughts and say, okay, I've made it another minute, I've made it another five minutes, I've made it another hour, and, and just keep going and thinking about, you know, your family or your future and and um, not giving in to the negative thoughts is how I survive. because it's something you would never know about yourself until it happens and for me it was just kind of like instinct took over once I realized what was going on. I survived because I was calm, I got out of harm's way and did what I could to call for help when I was able to do so. <laughs> 